from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. I feel like evildoers are trying to drive us out of the business. Somebody... <laughs> Somebody gets to the thermostat, and it is so cold in here. Can't feel my nose or my toes. My. It's very cold. Uh, live from Studio C. Si, senor. Dimly lit, room deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. Hey, everybody. Today, we're on tutelage of our general manager, the world champ, the national champion, rather, of America's second favorite professional football league, college football, your Georgia Bulldogs. We beat Abalama last night. Abalama. I didn't see any of it. I didn't even know it was on. I watched it. Pretty damn good game. Yeah, that's what I hear. So Georgia had six points in the third quarter and then all of a sudden exploded. There you go. Yeah, but they were trading field goals for quite some time, wearing out the uh, the grass between the 30-yard lines, and all of a sudden, kablooey! Big finish now! About the time that was happening, my kids and I were having an epic Nerf gun battle. So I'm probably better off doing that. But playing with your children instead of staring at others on the TV. Fool! I'll tell you one thing that happens if you got three guys in a house and no women's around. You have it. You do a lot of things like Nerf gun battles. Oh yeah, it's just, just out of control. Yeah, it always ends in screaming and uh, and, and near fisticuffs. Although though they they, they 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 just it's just the way it is. It's a brother's thing. It's a just you know it just it always ends that way. Right. It almost has to. <laughs> it really does. Uh, it yeah. Does. If if memory serves. Um. Although you know the fun you have before that. You know, yeah. looking oh, back, yeah, yeah, yeah. way, way, yeah, way yeah. eclipses the ugly end. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Very good time. But we decided that headshots, you lose a point. But does the neck count as the head? And that nearly turned into a fist fight. So. <laughs> wow. Well, and if you're pissed off enough, you'd gladly uh, trade a point for, you know, zapping somebody right in the noggin. <laughs> I, Joe's going to have to tell me this. Uh-oh. I don't know how much to talk about COVID because I, I know I'm tired of hearing about it and everything, but... I feel like I'm going crazy, and we do have some influence on the national conversation, uh, albeit small, but we're on 60 radio stations. and uh, you Millions know, and millions of podcast downloads we've found out. Yeah, millions and millions of podcast downloads, and you know, and you participate and we hear from you and everything like that. God dang it, I feel like I'm going nuts. So I'm driving in, and I'm listening to NPR, and they're talking about, they're specifically talking about L.A., but this is true all over America, record numbers of child hospitalizations. I don't know how they worded it. They word it carefully because at the end of the st- story, I mean, you know, they all the harem scare stuff, and then at the end of the story, at least they're honest enough about this now that they throw it in because they didn't used to it all. But then at the end of the story, they say that um, the vast majority of the kids have few or no symptoms and were in the hospital for other reasons. <laughs> Well, then what were you talking about for the past two minutes? It's making me insane. I want to reach through the radio or the TV screen and grab somebody and say, what are you talking about? If the if the end of your story is they're fine and they're here for some other reason, then why are you using your scared voice about the number of kids that they're testing positive in hospitals for COVID? 
I don't get it. Is it? I, well, I think the answer is no, but my, my question was, is it as just cynical as this is great clickbait, people tend to stay tuned, or are they driven by something else, some weird quasi-religious need to pitch fear? And not- because fear justifies control. And I'm not even, I don't even think most of them are conscious of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, you know, ABC like that in their brains. It's an urge. It's an emotional need. It might just be laziness too. It might just be sloppy journalism from a lot, a lot of journalists in the modern world are young and not very good. So it might right. just be that. I switched to another newscast as I was getting ready to come into the, Studio and and they only went with the headline of with a record number of child hospitalizations with COVID in America. Wow! And then moved on to something else, which is just as as uh, uh, as wrong as it is informing. You're better off having not said that, <laughs> right? Than to have said that and and leave somebody the impression that something horrible is happening. Oh, right, I would agree completely. God, it's just so it drives me crazy. So, but like I said, at least now they're saying it out loud on their own NPR newscasts. The kids are fine, and they're here for other reasons, but we're still going to use our scary voice. Record number of hospitalizations among children in the L.A. hospital area. All right. And, and you know, from the point of view of a lot of folks listening to the show, I think it, it makes them cynical. Um, it makes sure. them not want to hear anything. Of course, and I think it does. that's a shame because there is some significant news about, and it, it's become infinitely clear that a, a significant number of people are still dying of this thing. Oh yeah, I mean, like fifteen hundred a day. Yeah, it's a horrible number, and virtually every single damn one of them is unvaccinated. And I would just urge you, folks, the vaccine is a big nothing. It's not a computer chip from the government. It's not going to kill you, and and you're just you're sacrificing too much if you're not getting it purely because. Because you're pissed off that so many lunkheads are telling you to. But, you know, that's your decision. Having said that, you go forward and live your life the way you you please. But I don't want our friends and, and frankly, people who tend to vote the way I prefer people vote to be dropping like flies because they refuse to get the jab. It frustrates me. Yeah, 1,500 people dying a day adds up to uh, the math is pretty easy on that. What do you got, 45,000 a month? That's a lot of people. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's a, a, an astounding number of people. And actually, hospitalizations are nearing record numbers right now. I will tell you, far fewer people are on ventilators in severe need of supplemental oxygen. The rest of it, it's not nearly as scary. But there, uh, there's a, a crisis brewing because hospitals are so full and the uh, the staffers, are, are they got the vid, and so they're taking a week off or whatever. And, and so now states and hospital systems are canceling surgeries again like crazy people who need these damn surgeries so i don't know still in the woods clearly yeah i was talking to a babysitter just about an hour ago uh who's in the medical field and i said you know a lot of people with covid she said so many people with covid way more than i ever have the whole time so there's that uh we should start the show officially there's a big news event that's going to happen today we should alert you to um, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Tuesday, January 11th, the year 2022. New you in 22. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. All right, let's begin the show officially now, according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go. Swinging into action at Mark. The overwhelming number of deaths, over 75%, occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with. Yeah. I want to talk about that later. I want to talk about that later, along with another statistic that is out that uh, makes me wonder what is going on. But I feel like I've 
bludgeoned you over the head with COVID enough. Um, but y- y- you've had that information for a long time, Miss CDC Director. What is the shift now from... Oh, okay, well, I don't want to get started. Um, here's the big news event that's happening today, and I didn't know this until like five minutes ago. Joe Biden's given yet another very, very partisan speech about the forces of darkness and against the forces of light. What? About the Voting Rights Act and oh, how the Senate and how the Senate needs to act now. He's going to come out as the President of the United States today and tell the Senate that they need to do away with the filibuster. A guy who was staunchly against it not that many years ago, so was his boss. Um, he is going to say the Senate needs to become the House, become a, really upend the way we do legislation because of this phony, and we'll talk more about that later, voting rights uh, stuff. And that's just that's something of forces of evil and darkness against the forces of light. Oh, yeah, I know. Good Lord. Yeah. Hey, uh, Hanson, somebody get to uh, get together the uh, the montage we had of Barack Obama and Harry Reid and Chuck Schumer all speaking in Biden, speaking eloquently about how we must never, ever get rid of the filibuster just a few years ago. You know, I was just reading an opinion piece about um, whether indeed democracy can be saved, uh, whether this system we have is now so corrupt and and messed up and and just dopey that uh, do we have anything to offer the world that the, uh, you know, the Putins of the world uh, can't offer? You know, I would argue, obviously, yes, natural rights, human rights, and, and, and liberty and the rest of it. Um, but in terms of just getting things done, are we now so corrupt, so self-serving, so unpatriotic that it just doesn't work anymore? I, I don't know that the answer is clearly uh, yes yeah. or no, honestly. I, I heard uh, somebody talking the other day about, we often refer to what's constitutional in the Constitution, this and the, the amazing Constitution and everything like it. It only works if anybody has any interest. <laughs> it, 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 as a piece of paper, it can't do anything. Well, right. And, you know, several of the founding papas said famously that it will only work for a moral society. For a society that puts the good of the country ahead of uh, dishonest gain. And I just, I look at the political landscape right now, and I just don't see it, honestly. Mm. I think, I think, and and this is at the risk of, you know, turning into a, a typical Joe Getty Screed or a 400-level poli-sci class. This is why I, I have railed drink. and railed and railed. What? Drink. This is why I drink. That's why you usually finish that sentence. Yeah, but it's, well, it's dry January, isn't it? Th- this is why I will soon drink um, again. Uh, this is why we both have railed so strongly against the growth of government. Government is a giant honeypot. It's a, it's a pot of money. Money covered with honey. Honey money, if you will. Ooh. And so. <laughs> That's funny. Funny honey money. So, uh, and if it gets big enough, if, if government becomes lucrative enough, it will become perverted beyond all recognition and beyond all function and we are absolutely at that point awesome so i don't know what to tell you good luck god bless you bob saget is still dead we have more on that how does mailbag look i don't even remember it's all right you don't remember honestly it's a little depressing i may have to rework it i don't know this show's a downer so far usually the goal 
of mailbag is to depress and people. The, the, the freedom-loving quote of the day is depressing. Wow, what the yeah. heck? Oh, yeah. You looked the, into Wellbutrin or anything like that? The, <laughs> please, I'm gobbling it like Pez. <laughs> Just to keep my head above water. <laughs> oh, fire up your oven, folks. The next segment may make you want to put your head in it. I don't <laughs> wow. know what to t- I wow. just, I you, don't know. You don't hear a tease like that every day on the radio. You really don't. <laughs> Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I wonder what the living in a third world country does to everybody's mood, too. I've been to three targets in the last, I don't know how many days, looking for a particular thing for my son. And uh, it's a third world country. Either everything's all locked up because there's so much crime, or there ain't anything. The shelves are still bare. But you go to the electronics aisle of a Target or Walmart or anything like that, half the stuff doesn't exist, and the other half's locked up because there's so many criminals around. That's just a weird feeling as an American. I'm used to abundance and a lack of crime. Right. Right. Well, more on that. The trends and what's causing them to come. Of course. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. <clears throat> Actually, uh, Dustin, uh, that's right. We asked, uh, I asked, if you got a f- favorite freedom-loving quote of the day, send it along. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We're doing the People's Choice Week this week. Uh, may sound like I'm just being lazy, but you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> it's actually a hell of a lot more work going through all these emails than it is just, you know, finding a great quote. Um, burr. So, uh, again, your favorite freedom-loving quote of the day from uh, send it to mailbag at com. You can also email us there on any topic. Uh, Dustin actually says this is the year despondent quote of the day. This is from Carl Sagan. Um, from something he wrote in 1996. Dig this, my friend. He's a studier of the planets and the stars from way yeah, back in the day. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he was uh, an astronomer, right? Yeah. And, and a philosopher as well, I think. Or at least he played say. one on TV. I don't know. A lot of times these people uh, turn out to be different than what they started as. But Sure, like uh, old Bill Nye, the liberal guy who's worthless. <laughs> anyway, this is uh, Carl Sagan. I have a foreboding of an America in my children's or grandchildren's time when the United States is a service and information economy, when nearly all the key manufacturing industries have slipped away to other countries, when, when awesome technological powers are in the hands of a very few, Bing. and no one representing the public interest can even grasp the issues. There you go. Ding, ding. When the people have lost the ability to set their own agendas or knowledgeably question those in authority. When clutching our crystals and nervously consulting our horoscopes, our critical faculties in decline, unable to distinguish between what feels good and what's true. Mm. This is getting uncomfortable, isn't it? (laughs) We slide almost without noticing back into superstition and darkness. The dumbing down of America is most evident in the slow decay of substantive content in the enormously influential media. The 30-second sound bites, now down to 10 seconds or less, lowest common denominator programming, credulous presentation on pseudoscience and superstition, but especially a kind of celebration of ignorance. Well, that's, well, that's either one of the most prescient things anybody's ever said, or it's one of those manufactured quotes to fit the times. Yeah, this is actually uh, the link. Uh, Dustin, who is a longtime listener and a trusted correspondent, includes the link to the very uh, book he's talking about. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's just crazy. 
Um, anyway, moving along to mailbag. On the topic of armed robbery yesterday, specifically Alvin Bragg, the progressive Marxist DA in Manhattan, who says we're not going to put people in jail for most armed robberies. Armed robberies. And I made the point, well, you have ten armed robberies, one or two of them are going to turn into somebody getting shot and dying. So if you start uh, permitting armed robberies, you're going to get a hell of a lot of innocent dead people. Anyway, Jim in Los Lunas writes... The frustrating thing is they don't lock up criminals who use guns, but they'll try to take my guns away at every moment. If I happen to make any infraction, you bet I'd be charged, and they'd come for my gun. God, there was a great thread on Twitter the other day. I should dig that up from a San Francisco native talking about, I've been a liberal my whole life, and and we're an anti-gun town, but all of a sudden we're okay with criminals having guns. So we've always been anti-gun, but apparently we don't care if criminals have guns. Yeah, I read that thread. Grab it. It's fantastic. Uh, P.S. New Mexico is still in a health emergency. It has never ended. Moving along, Jack asked, what's your most expensive mistake? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Researcher writes, in October 2019, I dropped a vial of -of gain-of-function coronavirus at my lab in Wuhan. (laughs) Oopsie doopsie. (laughs) Oopsie doopsie. That's I'm a not good sure one. that's an authentic email. That's pretty funny. Oh, man, we got a lot more, but it's too long and we're a boot out of time. Oh, hey, how about we put the final nail in the coffin of the whole fact checker thing? It's phonier than you even thought. Fact checking's phony? What? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. New York City is now allowing non-citizens to vote. And California is about to go universal health care, including for non-citizens. It's a bad idea for citizens. But you throw in non-citizens and it's a really bad idea. Well, and we're talking illegals, people with no status whatsoever. Um, And Joe was pushing the vaccine a little bit ago. I don't know how they got to him, folks. Push. <laughs> But oh my God, you're not helping anything. <laughs> somebody said because you were saying the vaccine will save you in this and that, and uh, somebody texted, "Tell that to Bob Saget, Bob Dole, and Betty White." <laughs> Bob Dole, good one, good one, my friend. <laughs> that continues to be a narrative, and I can't tell if it's a joke or serious for people about Bob Saget, John Madden, and Betty White all got the vaccine or the booster right before they died. I can't tell if people are joking about that or or serious. I'm sure you know this. You've just forgotten it temporarily. These times are beyond parody. There's nothing so ridiculous and idiotic you can't can't say that there isn't a corner of the Internet that believes it firmly. Mm. Troubling times. As P.J. O'Rourke once said on this very show, whose idea was it to connect every idiot in the world with every other idiot in the world? That is the Internet. So, I'm sorry, was there something else you want? Oh, no. that was it. Okay. Uh, so, I, I came across this uh, the other day. I thought it was just terrific and so interesting. Mark Hemingway, do you know him? He used to write for the Weekly Standard. He's a conservative writer, thinker, et cetera. Um, and he's describing his experience in the final weeks of working at the Weekly Standard. Um, and, and he describes the, the fairly early days of Facebook banning Alex Jones... Um, after, by the way, a pressure campaign launched by CNN. And while Alex Jones didn't have a lot of fans at the Weekly Standard, which is famously a kind of, uh, you know, tweed jacket wearing serious conservative uh, outlet. 
Um, well, they there were no Alex Jones fans. They were pretty uncomfortable that that uh, Facebook did that after a campaign by CNN, which had been falsely pitching the Russia narrative, for instance, the Russia collusion narrative for years and years. So that's where we start. And he he also mentions that it was uh, it was late in the lives of the Weekly Standard and its staff because they had financial problems and and it wasn't clear whether everybody was going to get their job, keep their jobs, and the rest of it. Um, and then he talks about, oh, there we go. Um, the Weekly Standard employed a fact checker who had his salary paid for by Facebook. Less than a year before, editors above Mike Pegrady writes, decided we were going to be one of a handful of media outlets that agreed to partner with Facebook for the social media giant's, quote, fact-checking program. In exchange for a few crumbs from a company with a trillion-dollar marketing cap, we would write fact-checks, taking politicians and pundits to task for spreading disinformation. Facebook would then use those write-ups to make content-moderating decisions. Mm. So... Uh, you know how a Facebook bans or suppresses or de-platforms or whatever posts for disinformation unless, based on the work of their faction. Unless Justice Sotomayor says it, then it doesn't count. Exactly. I mean, the fact that it's wildly biased is beyond dispute, and let's go ahead and stipulate that right now. Uh, in addition to writing fact-check columns for our website, the, the Facebook-funded fact-checker would also be serving as a traditional in-house fact-checker which is something all politicians have had, by the way, throughout history. It's somebody, a lower-level journalist, who goes over the article as written, and, you know, if it says Jones, who lives at 123 Main Street, they'll verify that Jones lives at 123 Main Street. That's what fact-checkers have traditionally been. But anyway, so uh, the Facebook-funded fact-checker would also go over magazine articles pre-publication to root out errors. The editor saw this as a win-win. Then he mentions, and I think this is interesting, I never, I was never consulted by the editors, about this for obvious reasons. In 2016, I wrote a piece for the magazine's website bluntly calling Facebook's plan to partner with outside media organizations to fact-check a terrible idea. And years before that, in 2011, I had written a cover story for the magazine headlined Lies, Damned Lies, and Fact-Checking, the first major and deeply critical examination of media fact-checking. So Mark is no, no big fan. Here's where it gets really, really interesting. Once upon a time, editors at the magazine would have agreed with me about how corrupt it was that Facebook was now paying PolitiFact to produce these partisan hatchet jobs. Um, and, and he goes into some detail that, um, uh, Politico, PolitiFact, which is crazy biased, uh, gave Obama's promise about if you like your health insurance, you can keep your health insurance. It rated it true six different times. When the law phased in, PolitiFact then dangerously, disingenuously made it the lie of the year, et cetera. Um, so, okay, moving along. So they hire the fact checker paid by Facebook. And here's where it gets interesting. The guy hired as our fact checker, as it happens, was a diligent, hardworking, and intelligent journalist in a relatively thankless job. But he was also in his early 20s early 20s, comparatively inexperienced, and had written at least one fact-check column where I disagreed with his conclusions strongly, and conservative blogs had a field day blasting the weekly standard for what he had written. But to his credit, he seemed to know his limits, and this prompted him to speak up in our staff meeting. 
Even before the Alex Jones ban, he said he was growing concerned about his job because of the growing power of Facebook. Mm. He explained that whenever he did one of his fact-checking columns, part of his gig involved going into a special portal in Facebook's back end created for its fact-checking mercenaries where he entered details about his fact-check. When he entered a claim of false, he was asked to enter the URL, the link to the story, where he found the claim, at which point Facebook, according to their own press releases, would then kill 80% of the global Internet traffic to that story. Wow. Our fact checker explained that this was making him uncomfortable. Some of the fact checks were complicated, and he felt his judgment wasn't absolute. Like, I trust my judgment fairly good on this sort of thing, but man, I'd be nervous before I gave the thumbs down to something that was going to get canceled 80% of it worldwide by Facebook. You know what, really want to have your ducks in a row. That's a power, man. It was a record-scratch moment in the staff meeting. After a beat, I spoke up and said something to the effect of, You mean to tell me that a single journalist has the power to render judgment to nearly wipe a news story off the Internet? For several billion people. Right. It dawned on me and several other people that whatever influence our failing publication had now was being leveraged to act as part of a terrifying effective censorship regime controlled by a hated social media company run by one of the world's richest men. And again, to, to summarize it, if maybe you're just getting up, you're sleepy-headed. A single 23-year-old journalist who says, man, some of this stuff is complicated and I'm not sure I'm right, had the power to kill 80% of a global internet news story. And we all picture like a uh, team of seasoned veteran journalists, scientists, economists, etc., taking on these topics when uh, when we hear about fact-checking and then right. rendering a verdict, not a 22-year-old who says, oh, sounds right to me. <laughs> right, right. And there's more to this article where he points out um, some obvious examples going forward of just absolutely... Uh, unforgivable acts of propping up one quote-unquote fact or knocking down another quote-unquote fact um, by these so-called fact-checkers and how they've run rampant. And uh, I don't remember. It's a really, really lengthy article, um, and what I just quoted to you is from right in the middle. But, I mean, to cite an obvious example, the Wuhan lab leak theory. That was absolutely scourged from the Internet. Just Hold on, scrubbed yeah. from the Internet. Uh, Omicron! Omicron. Coronavirus. Oh, that could be. Cardi. Everybody's got it now. Great. Coronavirus. There you go. But, uh, you know, there are a dozen examples involving COVID. Questioning this official policy or that, you know, uh, drug or or just legitimate question, questioning of the doctrine. Do cloth masks really do any good? Those articles were scrubbed from the Internet by probably some 22-year-old somewhere whose sympathies lie with the COVID paranoia and said, no, that's that's not true. I'm giving that pants on fire. That's not a fact. Right. And the global empire of Zuckerberg and, and Dorsey and Zuckerberg, well, Dorsey's not the CEO of Twitter anymore, but you know these guys look at each other, and if Facebook bans something because it was fact, Chaka that is not true. Well, then Twitter would ban it too. Thanks, Twitter. On the basis of a single, barely post adolescent minimum wager. Good gracious, the internet's scary. 
Super skinny Dorsey who ran uh, Twitter, now that he's not running Twitter anymore, next time we see him, he's going to look like Lebowski. He's going to be a big fat guy in a robe and slippers. That'd be funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so what Justice Sotomayor said, we talked about this a lot yesterday, her just completely wrong facts about kids and hospitalizations and COVID and everything like that. She'd been banned. She'd have been booted off of Twitter for making those sorts of claims or Facebook. Oh, yeah, spreading wild, fear-mongering disinformation. We have even... over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in, in serious condition, and uh, many on ventilators. Yeah, there are like 3,500 kids COVID uh, cases in hospitals right now, practically none of them on ventilators. Mm. Or 100,000. Either way. Um so uh, we've been negotiating with Russia this week. We say their uh, their demands on NATO are a non-starter. So I'm uh, happy to hear that. They were saying, no, no, no. You don't get oh, to yeah. determine who's in NATO. So that's no, cool. You can't. But we also announced that we see no evidence of de-escalation by Russia there on the border. So that's pretty much your update for the day on the whole Russia-Ukraine war that we would get pulled into in one way or the other. I don't think militarily, but you never know how these things turn out well they've got to, ukraine surrounded on three sides now yeah i mean it would just be devastating the, and we're talking about arming uh gorillas who would you know do hit and run gorilla stuff after russia occupies did i mention on the air that i, I brought this up to a ukrainian nurse while i was in the hospital and she started crying she yeah has, she has family there and it's a serious deal it's a serious deal by speaking of gorillas not gorillas but gorillas we brought right. you the story that yesterday that 18 of the 20 gorillas in the Atlanta Zoo now have COVID. Now, are the gorillas in the zoo with COVID or because of COVID? Were they in the zoo because we like looking at monkeys? (laughs) Or are they in the zoo because of COVID? Now, tell me this. Tell me this. If we were to release diseased gorillas into the Russian occupation, gorilla gorillas, if you will. (laughs) With COVID. Would that at the very least confuse the enemy? (laughs) Their memos would become unreadable. <laughs> oh boy, uh, we had a fair number amount of like real news we need to get to and sprinkle throughout today, but I don't want to be all heavy news because it makes me tired. Uh, we yeah. never talked about the uh, the GOP lawmaker who tried to pull down a ref's pants because he was unhappy with a call. That's I saw that. Story. That's odd behavior. <laughs> Among other things on the way, our text line is always 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Michael, why is your voice so low today? Is your uh, voice changing? Are you going through puberty? Oh, I just got a little throat bug, I guess. Throat bug. Sounds like you're up late night uh, uh, throwing back whiskey shots to me. Or? No, I feel great. Actually, I feel quite well. It's just, you know, my voice is gone. Or you're going through puberty. Do you have hair in places you didn't before? Oh, stop it, Jiminy. Oh, I don't know. Come on, seriously, stop that. Sounds like puberty. I won't have it. I won't. I've asked you politely now. Don't (laughs) don't make me get firm with you. I I am getting more hair on my back. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, uh, speaking of uh, possible COVID symptoms, which I was leading to, you have COVID symptoms, Michael, and you're here. No, no, I, I'm I'm totally fine. I know uh, the official rules went out from my son's school yesterday, and it seems like they're, I mean, they didn't explicitly say, but it seems like they're backing off some of the COVID protocols from before where, yeah, if you're if you're vaccinated and you got the sniffles, uh, try to be careful. But if you're if you're unvaccinated, uh, try to be even more careful. And uh, I mean, it's just not quite yeah. as blanket black and white. Stay home for ten days as it used to be because it's undoable. It's undoable. Well, yeah, and I, I just think the cacophony of voices sh- screaming that our children are in crisis are now so so loud they're even being heard in the ah, teachers' lounges. Right. Uh, came across this. I didn't want to talk politics here, but I just came across this, and it's in my mind, so it's interesting. Stephen Greenhut, that name rings a bell to me. Yeah, he was uh, economic advisor, treasury guy. I don't know who he was, but uh, uh, it seems like, seems like we've talked to him or quoted him before. Anyway, he's writing a column for the Orange County Register with a piece of advice for politicians, and I think you're all going to dig this. Keep it simple. While officials preoccupy themselves with the initiatives aiming at remedying society's various ills, most people just want a government that keeps them safe and carries out basic administrative functions. Quoting from his article, Upon election to office, politicians come to believe that they have the wherewithal to solve the world's toughest problems. They usually mishandle the nuts and bolts chores they're charged with addressing, yet dream of altering the Earth's climate, eliminating enduring human conditions such as inequality and poverty. Most Pauls view themselves as the second coming of John F. Kennedy, Abraham Lincoln, and Ronald Reagan. When most of us just want public servants who make sure the potholes are filled, the streets are marginally safe, the government budget balances, the trash get picks up on time, and homeless people aren't defecating in our local park. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, Steve's a, he's an author and a journalist. And that is absolutely true. That is all I want out of you. And, and very little more. Wow, you know, isn't it crazy how something that... That, that that simply written and and uh, how have we lost that? Wait a minute. Why are we asking these people to accomplish like history changing, incomprehensible and certainly impossible Herculean tasks when all we want is the freaking trash picked up? How did the, what happened? Yeah. Well, I I think it's the trend of looking to government to solve all our woes and in particular the federal government. This obsession, the government's here to solve my problems. No, no, it's not. So this story happened while we were on vacay. The Guardian, over there in uh, England, the newspaper, s- disabled their Person of the Year poll that they on- had online because J.K. Rowling was uh, winning it. Hmm. So they took it down because she is, by some people's standard... Anti-trans, so she she's become thinks there's hot. such thing as a woman. Very, that's the way to put it. That's the way to put it. But so, rather than her have her win person of the year, they just disabled it because that would have been problematic and disappointing and problematic. Shut up! Hit you with the Cruciatus curse. Is that a? Well, actually, I wouldn't do that because that's like torturing people. I read Harry Potter so long ago. I don't remember. That's that's from Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Um, mentioned yesterday, AOC has the COVID now. Uh, she sure. hasn't died from her booster like Bob Saget, John Madden, Betty White, and Bob Dole. Oh, my God. See what I have to work with, folks? You hear this? 
Um, next hour, I want to get into a couple of different things. Uh, we have some of the text to Joe Biden's speech that he's going to give today. Man, he's he's uh, he's he's just decided that, and he, he might be right politically. Um, look, we're we're in our camps. The only way you can do well in politics right now is you just you do, you double down on serving your camp. The idea of bringing the two sides together is just doom. So there's no point in it. He he might be right about that politically, but he certainly has given up on uh, what he ran on. And we'll read a little from uh, the speech he's going to give today about um, uh, voting rights. Well, for what it's worth, I think he's dead wrong on that question. And I continue to be really? shocked. In this moment, you think there's a good idea trying to bring us together? I mean, I think if you want to get reelected, double down on your base and say the other side is evil. Well, yeah, except he doesn't have to worry about getting elected. He's already in office. I mean, to do what's best for the country, I, I expected the, the old man to do that. Hack that he is and I has thought, been through his career. I thought he would, too. Yeah, I've been especially sorely his, disappointed. Especially at his current age. But we've got that. you got some China stuff. Some COVID things that the CDC director said, the governor of New York said. Why are they just admitting this now? Things that we've known for a long time. All of a sudden, our public officials are telling us, I think I have a guess as to why that is. If you miss an hour, grab the podcast. Armstrong and Getty.com. Armstrong and Getty.